0: Okay, here we go. Three, two, one. <laughs> what? It's the countdown. Oh, well, the countdown. Counting
1: down to ecstasy. Three, two, one.
0: Thank you for having us here. I appreciate it. I uh, I can tell you, the, the one core value that I look upon that's so important is accountability. Oh, who is that? You're not sure who that is? No. I'll give you one more. Uh, I'll let you hear it one more time
2: thank you for having us here i appreciate it
0: Uh, i gotta tell you the the one core value that i look upon that's so important is accountability i mean it's a great statement it's true it is a true statement
1: everybody wants accountability for someone other than themselves have you thought about that no you know Mm. have you ever realized that after i listened to a george carlin for many times i try to be like george carlin (laughs) have you ever noticed that (laughs)
0: I've, I've, I've been right reason. here through all these phases that you uh, go go through. I've been right here just <laughs> documenting it, recording it. We all hear it. We all we hear it. The, the, the hippy-dippy weather with the hippy-dippy weather, man. I oh, love you, George Carlin. By the way, that was. No, Ga- who was that? That was Gary Rabine. Rabine.
1: Sorry, Gary. I think of you as ping pong. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Or is that Shemp? No. That's... <laughs> Which one? Damn it. Who, I couldn't tell the difference between them. I looked at their pictures. I felt really bad. Shemp and Rabine. What am I going to do, D, when the gubernatorial elections, when the primary's over? Uh, the mayoral election. Oh, yeah. That's what got me fired at the last place. Got to watch. You're allowed to say whatever you want about Republicans, but when it comes to Democrats, watch it, pal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> got it. Let me write that down. Hey, how long do you think George Carlin would last at uh whatever that radio station was that fired me?
0: WCPT eight oh, twenty? Oh, he'd yeah, be there for was. years. He'd be a staple. You say he was be a a stapler? He'd be a staple of oh. WCPT. Mm,
1: yeah. Just as long as he didn't talk about Democrats. All right, D. Remember.
0: <laughs> oh, Democrats. Hey everybody, how's it going? Your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, June 8th, is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader, chicagoreader.com. For all things there is to know The So what are you doing? Oh, he's doing the pot thing with his hand, <laughs> making it look like he's smoking pot. Yes, a joint. A joint. Uh, for all things there is to know the city of Chicago, all right? Chicago Reader, chicagoreader.com. Check out the latest column from Ben Jarofsky. Find a column from Ben Jarofsky from, I don't know, ninth, <laughs> pick a year in the last 30 years. That's probably 30. up there. 40. Well, I was being generous, but well, and actually, (laughs) it only goes to a certain.
1: Yeah, you're correct. That it only correct. goes so it I'm
0: doesn't very... go all the way back <laughs> yeah, to Helen. Yeah. Yes. For go all
1: the way back, you have to look at like I have the articles clipped and pasted when I was like, kid, I'm just like a scrapbook. I'm gonna take my article and tape, tape tape it on this piece of paper and then put it in the envelope, the plastic envelope.
0: Yeah, so go check out a column from ben Jarofsky from like, I don't know, nineteen ninety six. Check it out. I remember it so well. What was going on in nineteen ninety six, Ben? Well, there was a
1: convention in the city of Chicago. Bill Clinton. Oh my God. And that's that's when they really went overboard and putting the planners. Remember those people? They put the planners, Mayor Daly. It was actually an idea that went back to the eighties with Washington, Harold Washington. And uh, what was it Walter Natch was the head of the park district? OK. And he wanted to beautify Chicago by putting planners in. And all the white guys in the city council basically called him, you know, they like questioned his manhood. That's how weird you are, Chicago. These are people you elected, these aldermen. Oh, God, to put planners in. Daley comes in. He goes, I want planners. Boom. All of a sudden they got planners everywhere. And all those guys were questioning Walter Netsch's manhood. Or are like, oh, it's a great idea, Mr. Mayor. You're a weird city, Chicago. You're filled with
0: yes men. Sorry, D. No, that's fine.
1: But <laughs> you asked me, 1996.
0: Like, legit, no joke, I think a good podcast would be like, you know, where you just, you and a guest talk about a year. Like,
1: that is a great idea. Now, you know, who could do that? Who who has, like, who do you think? Kenny D, young Ken Davis. He was at the show last night, by the way.
0: Yeah, it would be, you know, you'd pick someone different each time, you know, to talk about uh, a year. And you go from January all the way to December.
1: That's... Ladies and gentlemen, that is really smart. That'd be cool. My, I mean, my mouth fell
0: open. Like, why didn't I think of that? That's a great idea. That is like, yeah. What
1: can I say?
0: Because that that nineteen ninety six riff that just came out of nowhere. And that was pretty awesome. <laughs> you
1: know, it was like last night at the hideout. If I may say this, we we're doing a great show last night. I want to give a shout out to Rachel Hinton, uh, Tina's Fondellas. They're awesome. D, we got a. I'm booking Rachel Hinton. She's got the gift of gab. Uh, and, uh, Tina's was telling jokes. I mean, it was a great night. It was oh. a really great night for political junkies. Uh, but, uh, so it's just, somebody asked about when was the last time <laughs> I admit I have, I, I admit, I admit, ladies and gentlemen, I have a lot of issues. I am, uh, like the rain man, you know, the, Dustin Hoffman. Raymond. Uh, so somebody said, When was the last time there was a congressional vacancy in the first uh, district? And I go, Well, since you asked that question, the, the year was 1983. And people are like, Nobody really wanted you to answer it. OK, we just, you yeah. know.
0: Hmm. And I knew the answer. Yeah, way, to, way to be smart. OK. <laughs>
1: I guess. Uh, Sir, you're too smart. Uh, By the way, D, can I just tell you this right now? It's very interesting uh, to me anyway, you know, here in the attic. And um, so there is a giant uh wasp. Oh yeah. That is stuck in between the screen. I don't know how it got past the screen, the screen in the window. So I'm like, what do I do? If I open up the window, the wasp gets in the
0: house. But if I just leave it there, it's just going to die a slow death. D what do I do? I don't know. I think, I think you just let it in, or just let it decide on its own, and just deal with the consequences, right? Wow. Well, well, you know, Raybine said we have to be accountable for whatever we do. So, Rain, Rain Man. Ray Bind said. Oh, Raybine. They said Rain right. Man. All right. <laughs> hey, check out that column from 1996 or whatever. And hey, it's this weekend, everybody. Reefer time. Illinois has an average monthly revenue of over $100 million from recreational (laughs) recreational cannabis sales. Chicago has 44 cannabis dispensaries. That makes Chicago the perfect place for the Illinois Cannabis Convention this weekend, June 10th through the 11th, brought to you by NECAN. It will showcase over 100 companies, brands, and product lines and feature dozens of expert speakers with practical knowledge and advice for attendees of all, that's A-L-L, all levels of experience. All are welcome. Go to NECAN.com slash Illinois, N-E-C-A-N-N dot com slash Illinois for information and to register. It is Wednesday, June 8th, and this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. And now your host... Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben
1: Jarofsky here. We're calling this Clutch Your Pearls Wednesday. And here's why. Because you better clutch your pearls, Chicago. That's why. Mayor Lori Lightfoot announced yesterday that she was running for re-election. Or she's running for re-election. We'll be taking a deep dive in this. I know tomorrow. I just cut a deal. Gregory Pratt at the Chicago Tribune will be uh, joining me. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, He hasn't been on the show in a while. I know he has a lot to say about this. And then, of course, an oh, what a week. Oh, what a week. Uh, On Friday, we'll be taking a deep dive as well. So there'll be plenty of talk about the mayoral election. But let me just uh, just point out something that I really had a smile at. Uh, It was in Shia Kapos' column. One more time. What would we do without Shia Kapos on D, huh? Yeah. yeah, Uh, That's my Jack Burns imitation. Anyway, uh, so... Uh, Shia Kapos, who uh, covers politics for Politico and uh, writes a daily playbook, which I urge all you political junkies out there to read because she really does a good job, in my humble opinion, of just like giving you nuggets of what's going on in politics in the state of Illinois. I love and, nuggets. Uh, I love nuggets, man. I love nuggets. nuggets. I love chicken nuggets mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> chicken flavored nuggets uh, from Shia Kapos. Uh, so yesterday she d- dedicated, or today actually was this morning, uh, I got up real bright and early and was reading this. Uh, and um, so I'm reading the story about uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot's announcing that she's running for re-election, no big surprise. Uh, and uh, they quote the great, the legendary state representative from the north side of Chicago, Kelly Cassidy, a.k.a. KC, dear friend of the show, comes on all the time. Now, Kelly and I love talking to each other. She's a dear friend of the show. We don't see eye to eye in absolutely everything, D, Okay. Kelly loves with a capital L, Lori Lightfoot, L O V E S. I think she has a Lori Lightfoot tattoo uh, that she, (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. she did have a Lori Lightfoot cutout. Remember that D one time we were doing an interview with Kelly and there was a cutout of Lori Lightfoot that was in the background. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like like the the life-size cardboard cutout.
1: Yes, Exactly. That's exactly what it was. And it was there. And I was uh, laughing anyway. So, uh, uh, Kelly Cassidy, uh, was asked a question about, uh, what, what, Lori Lightfoot's abrasive behavior, Lori Lightfoot's mm-hmm. tendency, tendency to say mean, nasty things about people. <laughs> Lori Lightfoot, the elbows she throws, the fight she gets mm-hmm. into. Uh, and, uh, Kelly Cassidy said, um, Chicago has a history of having abrasive, aggressive mayors, said state representative, Kelly Cassidy, an ally who's known Lightfoot for 30 years. Quote, then comes a black lesbian. Suddenly people are clutching their pearls. <laughs> I want my mayor to throw down for my city. And you know, Casey, I got to give you credit. That was pretty, I read that clutching for my pearls and I was laughing out loud going, Kelly Cassidy has a way with words. But I can't see eye to eye with you on this one. I mean, can we just once, just once in the city of Chicago experiment with a mayor who's not mean and nasty and abrasive and throws elbows? Just once? I realize, I understand. There is a double standard. Yes, Kelly, you make a valid point. There's a double standard. Like Lori Lightfoot's getting called on stuff. Rom, they love Rom when he was that way. But so many Chicagoans explain to me, Ben, you don't understand. Rom's gonna get stuff for the city of Chicago because he's mean and nasty. That's how it works. That's what Chicagoans say. Buy into that stuff, and then before that, we had Richard M. Daley, who was mean and nasty and always losing his temper and exploding, getting red in the face. Chicagoans loved that. He's emotional. Ben, <laughs> I'm like, we, with the last mayor we had, who treated people with respect, who was courteous to people, who listened to what they said, was Harold Washington. It was like a five year experiment. Washington dies in office, people say, that's it. We're never going to elect a mayor who treats people with respect ever again. It's just going to be mean, nasty, abrasive, throwing elbows, getting into fights. So, Kelly, it was a great line. Had me laughing, but I don't know. I'm like, it's not something I would be proud of. You know what I'm saying? like, I could just think that we could do a little better in the city of Chicago, in my humble opinion, uh, with our mean, abrasive, nasty mayors that we'd love to elect. All right, enough on that for the moment. I'm going to bring Kelly Cassidy back, and we can discuss this uh, at greater length. But in the meantime, uh, Monroe Anderson is joining me, legendary Monroe Anderson, who I I misspoke. The last courteous mayor we had uh, was Eugene Sawyer, who was very courteous. Uh, listen to people, very diplomatic. Now, he, the reason I said the last, what I said, Harold was the only one who we elected because as you know, Monroe Anderson who served as press secretary to Eugene Sawyer still defends him. Uh, Eugene Sawyer was never elected by the people of the city of Chicago. He was elected by essentially a, uh, a faction of white aldermen who thought that it would be easier to uh, defeat. Eugene Sawyer than it would be to defeat Tim Evans and if the black community was divided they could elect a white guy forever and it worked Monroe Anderson it worked (laughs) this dumb city anyway so um, do you buy my uh, argument Monroe that Harold Washington was the last courteous mayor who was respectful of people uh, and was tolerant of different Views that got elected by the people of the city of Chicago.
2: Uh, yes, although I the 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 white aldermen who elected Sawyer weren't afraid of Evans, but they knew that Sawyer would be easier to beat because he was not um, assertive enough, and um, he was very soft spoken. He was too nice to be mayor that was that was his shortcoming he's very good at what he did but he just was too nice
1: you know see that okay there now you're heading into chicago country and that's what you got my i i i think about this a lot can you believe this lady i think about i go back to 1987 and 89 a lot in my mind because that was a pivotal moment in the city of chicago uh where uh white people asserted their uh Demand that they take back control of the city. That's what happened, ladies and gentlemen. Don't pretend like it didn't happen that way. You know it happened that way. And uh, that was the plan. That was the plan, and it worked. Uh, Eddie Burke, Richard Mel, all these white aldermen, you know, momentarily supported Eugene Sawyer and then immediately started sabotaging his administration every which way they could to set it up for Daly. And then Daly's the mayor. They're always complaining about him. You ever notice that, Monroe? They they immediately started complaining about Daley. Well, you put them in there, you know. Uh, But so in retrospect, do you think that there is more that Eugene Sawyer could have done and should have done to what? Unify uh, his base of support among black voters. You know what I'm saying? To like, just let it be clear that. We're talking 20 years a daily if this split and division continues. Do you think there was more he could have done? I think that's – I don't even know if that's being mean and nasty, Monroe. I just think that's just telling it like it is. That's where uh, I take exception to how uh, Sawyer – Yeah, there's
2: nothing he could have done. Yeah, it's nothing he could have done.
1: So being mean and nasty wouldn't have done anything, you know, it would just, then white people would have been like, he's so mean and nasty. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right, <laughs> you know, exactly. he's just not a he's nice so guy. Not,
2: he's So he's too mean and nasty.
1: Yes. <laughs> right. Oh my God. Because I, they
2: wanted a white mayor.
1: Yes. They wanted a white mayor and they got one. His name was right. Richard M. Daly. He reigned and ruled over his city for 20 years, God help us all uh, alright uh, Monroe, I want to point out that uh, our old friend, Frank Coconati was supposed to join us today I'm not yeah. saying he chickened out, Frank I'm going to send this link to you so you can hear what I'm saying I'm not saying he chickened out but I don't, all of a sudden he had to work you know that's something Monroe, all of a sudden he had to work and uh, but, so let me just yeah, go well, ahead
0: Monroe.
2: Well, I was paying more attention you were in the bubble, I was paying more attention and I heard him clucking. <laughs> <laughs> I have my windows open and I could hear him clucking.
1: <laughs> you hear that, Frank?
2: <laughs> but he wasn't chinking out. No, no, no. He, he was working on his clucking.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so here's the deal about Frank Coconati, ladies and gentlemen. He's an old friend of Monroe and mine, uh, and he despises the dailies. OK, so just follow me on this. He despises the dailies. Uh, and as such, he gravitated to people like me and Monroe back in the 90s and, you know, the early O's, because who else was there? There was like people on the margins. Everybody else was bowing down to him. Oh, oh, man, Mr. Mayor, we love you. But there was guys like me and Monroe, with, you know. And so a guy like Frank gravitated to us, and we were all friends. And then he lost his freaking mind and went Trump on us. Uh, and uh, I said, You know what, Frank? I don't know. I can't deal with this Trump stuff. But I had reason to call him this week and talk to him. And it was fun talking to him. I said, You know, I'm going to bring you back with Monroe, get you on and get that debate going. And he goes, I'll do it. I'll do it. And then today rolls in. Ben, I, I didn't hear from you, so I had to go to work. So, all right, Frank. We'll get it next week. Right, Monroe? Next yeah, week.
2: Yeah, we'll get it. But you will get it. Uh, he's, he, he, he's, um, he just had to get his cluck out. That's
1: all. <laughs> he's got to get that courage up to come on. Uh, his old friends who stood by him when nobody else would. All right. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Plenty uh, to talk about uh, in the world of politics and the world of Trump. Uh, Monroe has been coming on this show for a long time. Uh, We talk, break down Trump, 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 MAGA, uh, Democrats' response and reaction. Uh, There's like three fronts I want to discuss, Monroe, before I get into the burning question of George Carlin versus Richard Pryor, which is really on my mind these days. Uh, And one has to do with the beginning of the congressional investigation. Uh, into January uh, 6th insurrection, the attempt by uh, MAGA supporters of Donald Trump uh, to uh, what intimidate Congress in, uh, to approving, rubber stamping, uh, the election of Donald Trump uh, as president, even though Donald Trump lost the election. So I don't know. I guess it was an attempted coup that failed. Uh, Congress is having an investigation into it, uh, and Republicans want nothing to do with that. Uh, and then the uh, backlash continues uh, uh, against progressive uh, what? Prosecutors, as yeah, we saw, re, Chesa re, Bowden. Yeah, reformers. Reformers, yeah. yeah. The, the country's not ready for reform, ousted uh, Chesa Bowden. Uh, we'll talk about that in San Francisco. Mayor Lori Lightfoot announced uh, her she's running for reelection on a tough on crime platform where she asserted that essentially people who uh, are charged with a crime are guilty until proven innocent, it's kind of a a reversal, which you might call a reversal, because it is a reversal on the tradition in this country that people are innocent until proven otherwise. Uh, And uh, so the world has officially lost its mind on so many fronts. Uh, So Monroe, let's start with the January 6th insurrection. It happened on a Wednesday. Uh, I, I saw what was going on in the dismay in your face as we were doing a show and you were watching it on MSNBC. Um, so you have any general thoughts about what you hope to, uh, obtain from these investigations, which I begin to, I think they begin tomorrow. So
2: they do, um, they do. The first one is tomorrow. The second is Monday. Okay. Uh, there's a, a, a roadblock for tomorrow with the exception of Fox. <laughs> Uh, everybody else is going to have it on. All the other major TV networks will have it on. And the hope is that it it, it it all be put together and we'll all understand that Trump needs to go to jail and they'll come and arrest him and put him in prison. But that's that's sort of in the wildest dream because the the reality is that among the Trump nuts, uh, what Trump did is baked in. They're choosing to believe that the election was stolen. They're choosing to believe that um, there is this um, replacement movement going on that uh, black and brown americans are trying to and jews of course are trying to replace them and so they they they're fighting for their very existence and so so the wh- what's going to happen tomorrow uh, the the, Dem- the democrats say, the committee the, the committee the J- january 6th committee has hired a professional documentarium to put this together so that they're supposed to present a story mm-hmm. that's compelling and interesting and um, that will tell the story of in, in TikTok fashion almost on how Trump planned this coup. Mm-hmm. And it starts before January 6th and it continues to this day, his attempt to pervert American democracy. Absolutely. Um, yeah, the hope, okay, one last thing. The hope is that the undecided Americans yeah. will see this and swing towards justice. Uh, the Trump people, I mean, if, if, if JC came down himself and said, Trump is a crook. <laughs> I've returned to let you know that they would not buy it,
1: no, they would be mad at j c right exactly. uh, and they would denounce him as a hippie, yeah
2: um, exactly. and hold his Bible upside down
1: well, this is uh you you got it. You, it's like you read my mind, monroe uh because you got at exactly the point I was about to make, and um I think about this a lot i'm i find this uh very this the, the part about January sixth. There's so much of it uh, that I find upsetting and frightening. Uh, But one part in particular is the reaction of quote unquote mainstream America. Uh, And uh, so I've talked about this at length with other guests. I don't think I talked about this uh, with you. But there has been an attempt by mainstream America to position what happened on January 6th with just extremism on both sides, like a pox on both their houses. So I talk about this at length with the columnist of the New York times, who's a big believer in this Tom Friedman. Uh, David Brooks is another one. A lot of, lot of mainstreamers like, Oh my God, you got these radical Democrats and then you've got the insurrectionists as though somebody who's talking about police reform uh, is the equivalent of an insurrectionist. And I think this is very scary and very damaging because it makes it that much easier for voters to just write off and dismiss what went down on January 6th. Like, ah, oh, everybody does it. Do you get what I'm saying, Monroe? They're all extreme. Yeah. Uh, and then the Republicans s- slide by and there's no accountability for it. And uh, so my question to you is what's your sense of where American voters are uh do you do you think that American voters you know are uh share your horror when went down on January 6th, or do you think they're more in the Tom Tom Friedman school, which is, ah, you know, the Republicans do this, the Democrats do that. We need someone in the middle. Your thoughts?
2: I I think that the MAGA crowd uh either don't care or they wish they had succeeded in stealing the election. Um, I think that people like us, the the anti-Trump people, uh, know that this is bad. And I think there is a small sliver, maybe 10%, of Americans who are in the um, Friedman arena where they think okay well this happens um you know it's uh a false equivocation yeah but they think that that's how it is and uh, and that's who the the committee is hoping to reach those hmm. people saying no 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 this is not this 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 is watergate on uh, steroids <laughs>
1: And uh, so do you think they'll be successful? Do you have hope uh, for uh, the future of the country? Because these congressional elections, I say this all the time, folks, determines whether uh, Nancy Pelosi, for better or for worse, uh, is the Speaker of the House or Kevin McCarthy is the Speaker of the House, in which case we will move from investigating the insurrection of January 6th to impeaching Joe Biden. Let's be honest, Monroe. That's what's on the table. And so that's the choice you have, America. Uh, When you go vote for Congress uh, in November, when we're done through the primary season, yeah. You know
2: the the problem is that there's this is very complicated in the sense of um, we have inflation, and and that's what most Americans are obsessed with, and rightly so. I mean because. You can't, if if you drive down the street, you see gas stations with these um, inflated prices right now. Mm -hmm. If you go to the grocery store, you see grocery stores with these inflated prices right now. This day-to-day stuff. Now, you know, for a man of means such as yourself, this doesn't mean anything. It's It's like, I better put some more change in my pocket. But uh, <laughs> so for those who tried to just have three squares a
1: day, <laughs> then, then it matters. It hurts. Uh, that's funny coming from stock market <laughs> Monroe. Um, and uh, <laughs> uh, who was Elon Musk before Elon Musk?
2: Right. <laughs> no space uh, trip for you, young man.
1: <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, yeah, I hear you. I hear you, Monroe and uh i uh, i understand the dynamics of uh the election season coming up uh, and um i what I find horrific, I realize that most the overwhelming majority of people aren't paying attention to uh, in the city and i mean in this country uh, and um furthermore, you got the situation where uh, fox t v which I believe, Monroe, correct me if I'm wrong, is the number one uh, in terms of the people who watch news, you know, just n- news, uh, is not covering it. it. will not be covering it on a regular basis, gavel gavel. Uh,
2: watch cable news.
1: Cable news, okay. Cable. C- so more people, well, I don't know the answer to this. I don't know if you do. More people watch, you know, NBC's nightly news, or more people yeah. watch Yes. Then they no watch comparison. Okay.
2: There's wow. No comparison. That right. Did not know the, that. Net, the the network news, uh, whether it's NBC, CBS, ABC, they, they have a much larger viewership than Fox.
1: Yeah.
2: Fox only has a couple of million people or so.
1: So Monroe, so what's the practical impact of Fox just not covering a Fox deciding that, uh, the, uh, they just don't want, it's so, so openly uh, partisan, uh, they don't want to uh, subject uh, their listeners with any news that might uh, dissuade them, as a long shot as that is, from just falling in line for MAGA. What do you think the practical implications of Fox's decision are?
2: I think that um, they they get to keep their audience by doing this. At, at one point, not so long ago, when when the lawsuits start dropping, about Fox reporting that the um, I forget the company had the the um, the ballots, yes, swinging uh, the election. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh
1: huh.
2: When those lawsuits started dropping, Fox started backing away from the big lie for for financial purposes. Yeah. But then what happened was there's this um, channel called Q, um, Q or something, it's some mm-hmm. some right wing channel that wants to be more right wing than Fox, and the MAGA folks started shifting over there, and, and Fox goes, "Oh wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah."
2: It, it was a lie
1: after all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they just have to, uh, it's, how do they put it? You, you can't name names and accuse specific people of lying when they didn't lie or cheating when they didn't cheat. So right. you just say that in general terms, so there was cheating. Right. Uh, in fact, I see this all the time. This This is the part this 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 is what passes um for bipartisanship among uh republicans those who say well you know there was some fraud there had to been but you know i just i decided to move on i'm like there was some fraud there had to been and they go well, you know so the the reporter will say well, what was the evidence of the fraud and then they'll say well uh when i went to bed uh trump was winning or, or and all of a sudden the votes came. <laughs> uh, the counted. Yeah, well, know, it was losing.
2: I go. It's what? It's, it's social media, particularly Facebook. Who um, <laughs> that's where they get their news from, and Facebook is not policing this. So there are all kinds of lies and rumors and um, conspiracies and people from right they're in a bubble. Yeah. They're, 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 they're in this echo chamber. And so they hear this stuff, they see it on Fox. And so from their perspective, this is the reality. So Trump, Trump is in fact, the president in exile. And be, before 23, there's a good chance that, um, Trump will rise again. Biden will be kicked out of office, and Trump will be reinstated before the next election. Even mm. a lot of these people believe that.
1: Yeah. I um... and,
2: and so what you know for those who who are not who are, who watch Fox only tomorrow's. The beginning of the hearing hearings won't be watched by them, but it will leak out what actually happened.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean e- even even in in their cushioned world. Yeah. It's it, it there are some 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 porousness. Yeah. And so they will hear some of
1: it. Yeah. And um Yeah, I I, I hear what you're saying, Monroe, uh, and I also realize that uh, uh, I may be underestimating voters. I hope I'm right. I have a tendency uh, to head in that direction uh, because I'm always so disappointed with particularly what Chicago voters do uh, and the level of attention that they pay to what their government is up to, uh, and their tolerance for, uh, the scams and the schemes of their government. So I, i sort of make Chicago like a model, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's how I view all voters these days. It's like, well, this is what I learned in Chicago and the voters in Chicago are not paying attention. They're ignorant. They're easily persuaded, uh, by media campaigns, uh, clever catch words convince them of one thing and uh the result has been think of every mayoral election since uh, by the way this was somebody pointed this out at the i think it was Maya last night at the hideout we were doing a political discussion how popular tony preckwinkle is these days She got trounced uh, by uh, Lori Lightfoot in 2019, 75%, I think, for Lori, 25% for Tony Preckwig. Utter trouncing. Tony Preckwig goes back to being president of the Cook County Board. Seems like everybody likes her now, Monroe. Isn't that interesting?
2: Well, people liked Hillary until she almost became president.
1: Yeah. But it's not like they like her now, Hillary. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, Yeah. yeah, we liked. Very strange. Chicago, you are very strange. You're just a strange people. I, I just don't know how else to say this. I've been watching you a long time, the way you handle politics. Very weird. All right, speaking of weirdness uh, in Chicago politics, uh, let's shift gears. Uh, it's, there's a very interesting uh, dynamic uh, going on in the country today. Uh, everywhere people are calling for law and order, with the exception of Fox uh, and Republicans, when it comes to insurrectionists, insurrectionists go in. They,
2: uh, well, they're calling for law, law and order. They, they, I mean, if you look at um, Irwin's campaign ad, you know, it's, it's uh, blue lives matter. No, no, I'm talking
1: about blue lives matter uh, unless they're protecting the capital from insurrectionists. Right, then exactly. blue lives don't matter anymore. Okay, exactly. they were hitting no, cops over cute. the heads with hockey sticks on January 6. I've not heard Richard Irwin. Talk about that. I've not heard DB, Darren Bailey talk about that. Okay. Jesse Sullivan. These are the candidates running for governor on a law and order platform here uh, in the state of Illinois. Monroe. They talk about blue lives matter. But when it was a blue live protecting the Capitol from the January 6th insurrection, I guess they don't matter anymore. You know what I'm saying? And uh, you should have heard. I don't know if you've heard some of the cuss words and the things that the insurrection said to policemen. In their face. Oh, yeah. Could you imagine if some black guy in Chicago was talking that way to a cop? Come right. on. Right. Blue eyes
2: don't matter when. You cop by suicide. Suicide by cop. If yeah. some black
1: guy did it. Blue eyes don't matter when they're protecting Mike Pence and Nancy Pelosi from people carrying nooses interesting little perspective on law and order. So, but for everybody oh, yeah, else,
2: I yeah, yeah, yeah. see you don't watch, you don't watch MSNBC as I do. So you may not have picked up on this, but with um, Pence, they were trying to take him away, you know, because the crowd was coming and Pence says, I'm not getting in that car. <laughs> yeah, and there was, there there was one secret service um, agent, <laughs> uh, supervisor, who was really close to Trump, and Pence didn't trust him for that reason. And there's another Secret Service agent who was Pence's guy, and and um, he he says this this Secret Service agent says to Trump's Secret Service agent is, um, "What are you guys doing? I, I I know if Pence gets in that car, um, he'll end up in Alaska." Yeah. <laughs> Because they were going to get rid of him so yeah. that they can, so that
1: he could be substituted. I, I do not blame Pence at all for not getting in right. that car. What right. I think is weird about Michael – well, there's many things I think were weird about Michael yeah. Pence. Yeah. Uh, one thing I think is weird about him in retrospect is how uh, afraid he is to confront Trump. This is a guy who was cheering on people who wanted to kill you. You know, I mean, yeah. uh, just – don't under and they, they make such a big deal. Like one little thing he did when he snuck down to Georgia to endorse Kemp uh, over a prior, you know, in Kemp uh, the governor's race. Brian right. Kemp was victorious over uh, the Trump's supported candidate, and then, oh my God, Pence supported Kurt, can- Purdue. Purdue, my bad. Yeah, Purdue. Uh, yeah. yeah, and I'm like, you're making such a big deal about this. Trump's MAGA was, was had a news coming for. For Pence, he should be doing this I don't, Monroe The Republicans are so scared I uh, I mean I make fun of Chicagoans again They're just so intimidated by tough mayors And they love them, but, but uh, I mean it's compels compared to MAGA MAGA just falls in line and Republicans are so sta- yeah, There's not one Republican In the state of Illinois who will stand up To Trump, not one Kinziger was the only one and he's not running for re-election
2: Right Right uh, and and um the um, congressman who re- represented Republican congressman who represented um Buffalo mm. said that there's, there's said that we should have some sort of gun regulation. Unbelievable and he had to drop out of the race. Yes.
1: <laughs> drop out of the race. Right. Hey Republicans. How come you you cancel his culture? I thought you were against cancel culture. I thought you wanted people to be free to speak their minds. Right. And this guy says one thing about gun control. Boom. Everybody's calling him up, threatening him. He drops out of the race.
0: I'm scared.
1: Uh, What a bunch of frauds you are, Republicans. Sorry. We have a
2: serious, serious fascist movement going. Yes, we do. And therefore, we have to fight it and, uh, tooth and
1: tooth and nail. Absolutely. I'm with you 100% on that one. When I saw that happen in Buffalo, that congressman, uh, and I put moderate in quotes. Right. And uh, he just, you know, in the, in the aftermath of 10 people being gunned down by a lunatic with a, a rifle in a grocery store. With I mean,
2: machine,
1: machine gun. Yeah. He's a right, machine gun. Machine gun. Yeah. A weapon of mass I mean,
2: destruction. You know, this is what is mind boggling to me is that the Republicans don't even want to raise the age limit to 21 on be- buying those guns. They're against that. Uh, you have people who can buy a, a machine gun that kills dozens of people in a very short amount of time who can not go buy um, yeah. a cigarette in some places and a beer in others. But they're not old enough to do that, but they can go and legally buy the most efficient killing machine there is. Yeah. In fact, the AR-15s are better than the guns that um, the soldiers had in the Vietnam
1: War. When you say better, you mean uh, more effective killing machines?
2: More effective killing machines. Yeah, okay. Yes.
1: Um, No, it's utter madness. So, uh, So here's where the, again, because Republicans, one thing they're really good at is pushing the conversation to the right. And Democrats, one thing they're really bad at is having anything resembling a conviction. So they continually move to the right to adjust to what the Republicans are saying. We see it happen all the time. Um, uh, and so we saw yesterday in San Francisco, uh, San Francisco area, the, uh, the prosecutor Chesa Bowden uh, was ousted in a recall election uh, because they said he was uh, not tough enough uh, on prosecuting criminals uh, now, there are a lot of dynamics at play in San Francisco politics, Monroe, and I spend a lot of time watching them. And uh, I realize, of course, that what went down in San Francisco is not completely a universal statement about where the country is right now. But having said all that, I do believe it's pretty obvious uh, that there's been a full scale retreat. Uh, on the notion of, well, criminal justice reform from where we were.
2: Well, you, yeah,
1: you know, and, and, murder
2: and part part of the problem is the media in general, the mainstream leg, legacy media I'm talking about, they're reporting this stuff nonstop. I, I, um, back in the, 90s, early 90s, when I was at WBBM TV, we had this um, general manager. His name was Bill Applegate, and Applegate's um, whole thing was um, crime. In, in fact, um, at that time, Channel Two became known as the "If it If it Bleeds, It Leads" newscast. And you know, if you're seeing that night in and night day out, day day in and day out, then that becomes the reality of the world you're in. And that's where we are with crime in America. Is that it's uh, it's reported in such a fashion that you would think that's all that there was to going on here. Here and elsewhere in big cities is carjackings and um, mass shootings and shootouts. And now there is a lot of that going on, but it's been worse in the past. We aren't aren't in any uh, period that never before has this happened. Hmm. And the problem is, which the Republicans keep diverting our attention from, is the difference between now and 30 years ago, there are more guns. And they're easier to get. And so when teenagers, back when you and I were teens, right back in the horse and buggy days, but when we were teens, when we had a disagreement, we had a fist fight. Now, when there's a disagreement, they have a gunfight. Yeah. And there's a big difference.
1: No, I... uh I uh, actually remember, Monroe, you, you just uh, got triggered a, a, trigger, a uh, no pun intended, a memory, a distant memory. One day, walking through the halls of Evanston High School back in 1972 or whatever it was. And I saw a guy and he had a gun. And I was so freaked out. Uh, and I, nothing happened with the gun. Uh, there was no shooting or anything. But I remember seeing, I'm like, oh my God. Right. You know, it just freaked the hell out of me. Little me, you know, a little, little thing back then and uh so i yeah, I hear you. I didn't get into fist fights anyway, Monroe. If there was a disagreement, I just kind of went the other way, but I hear what you're saying uh so and uh,
2: well, in, in, in Gary being the physical city if it, it was you, you had you had to fight i mean you you would get picked on, and if you didn't fight that you would become picked on more.
1: I would have lasted maybe two days uh, at Roosevelt High School in Gary, Indiana, uh, yeah. and uh, would have been trying to talk my way out of a lot of uh, situations, Monroe. Which is generally how I did it in life. Yeah. Uh, it's, and uh, but it'd be interesting, wouldn't that be funny to have a like take me back in time and I'd be your locker partner, uh, yeah. <laughs> Monroe? Okay. Would be like.
2: Don't beat me up. Beat up Ben. <laughs> he likes it.
1: Uh, all right. So Monroe, would you, uh, would you have voted to, uh, oust house Would you have, uh, are you at the point where you think that,
2: uh, no, I wouldn't have voted. I wouldn't have voted for that. I, I like what he's doing. I like what Kim Fox is doing. Um, you know but the 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 problem is again the news coverage and 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 you have other problems in San Francisco for example homelessness is like incredible and so it, it's it's a matter of um the the privileged in San Francisco um have a certain comfort of of life that they like and it's being disrupted yeah and so, and they're upset, you know all these homeless people stinking up the place, and eyesore and everything and 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 the prose- prosecutor the state attorneys has nothing to do with it. they can do nothing about it for all practical purposes, but because things are bad um they blame it on
1: them. Oh, no there's the footage uh of it was what really a brazen, uh, robbery where, uh, someone w- on a bicycle in a grocery store, I think it was, uh, it's just filling up a bag with stolen goods and then goes right out and nobody stops them. Right. Uh, and that was used, uh, to just sort of symbolize lawlessness, uh, in San Francisco, which allegedly is bred by, uh, uh, Republicans. Well, it's bred by a, a, a lack of enforcement. And so, uh, and I, I don't I do not know the story behind the story. In other words, what did the prosecutor, I've never seen the story. Like did, was somebody arrested? Uh, was, did they throw, did they not charge him? You know what I'm saying? Monroe. I re, I recall that, uh, when the riots happened in 2020 here in the city of Chicago, there was tremendous law, uh, fear of law of, uh, Lawlessness. There was a crying, a decrying of a breakdown. Uh, the right. police are overwhelmed. I heard all this stuff, and all I know is have slowly steady stream of articles in the newspaper about people arrested, charged, jailed. Do you follow what I'm saying? Like there was punishment, but nobody talks about that. So why right. I don't I know? I don't know if that happened in San Francisco with this footage of the guy in the grocery store, where it was a uh, Walmart, whatever it was. And um, it's a it's an upsetting video to see, but there's well, you know, no backstory you know, to it.
2: Part of, part of the problem we have is police coast to coast have been um, is upset and have become has begun feeling like victims because they're not um, able to a black man unarmed black man at will anymore without the risk of being at least charged and having to go through a trial or something and so they 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 feel devalued and um, their morale is down and they're not the heroes that they they want to stop of themselves and that that becomes manifested in texas when they stood around while, while um, 10-year-old children were asking, dialing 999 and screaming and crying for their lives.
1: 911, yeah,
2: yeah. 911, yeah,
1: right. All right, so your thoughts on Lori Lightfoot taking it to Chicago, saying the other day that in high-profile cases, a defendant is guilty. Until proven innocent, yeah. Uh, interesting constitutional uh, interpretation from our mayor. Uh, well, she
2: is a lawyer. Yeah, she, she is a lawyer. Yeah, argue
1: that point. I will not argue that point. She is a lawyer. She went to law school, and, and I did not. But
2: more, more importantly than her being a lawyer, mm-hmm. she is running for mayor again, mm-hmm. and those two things cannot be divorced. She's feeling the heat. Uh, of of Chicago with the the, the nightly news every every ch- tv station in Chicago leads with a carjacking or a shooting or, um, a, a, smash cr- or, or a smash and crash or smash and crash or where they where they break down the the windows and smash and grab mm-hmm. that's what it's called and and so there's this feeling Particularly among white Chicagoans, but even minority ones to some extent, that things have gotten out of hand, and so she she states the obvious and 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 throws the Constitution out while she's stating it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, because things are bad, and there are some people who. Theoretically, when they're arrested, should not be let out. But that that those people are like two percent, or something, of of everybody going to jail, and and um, so it's 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 a a sticky wicket.
1: Hmm. Well, I uh. Um, uh, it's not that easy for me to excuse her, uh, that rhetoric. I, I, I did yeah. not, I'm not excusing yeah.
2: her. I'm just, I'm, I'm uh, pointing yeah. out the re, I, I'm, 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 I, 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 unlike you at this point, I'm being an objective. Ah.
1: <laughs> that's hilarious. Let's, let's uh, imagine if Donald Trump had said what Lori Lightfoot said open window, throw out objectivity. Uh, concept, <laughs> objectivity alright let's, let's close with something that will uh, divert our attention from the pain that's all around us every day uh, and uh, that is two brilliant comedians from our youth uh, and I've been utterly obsessed with George Carlin uh, for the last few days Monroe since I watched the um, two part HBO documentary which I urge everybody to watch uh, just really does a good and compelling job in my humble opinion of uh, just explaining the life and times of George Carlin. And it gets into the, the complexities of the man himself, uh, Monroe, and, and his de- demons. Uh, I just found it fascinating. But there's just this vintage, vintage George Carlin comic bits. And so you get to watch that evolution of George Carlin from back in the 60s where he was straight, and go, you know, uh, and peeling the middle of America uh, through the hippie, the the pot smoking days of the seventies, uh, and then into the prophet, the political prophet of sorts, that he came. And I hugely uh, recommended to everybody out there. Uh, I know you're going to watch it eventually, but there's this one part, Monroe, uh, in the first uh, segment, which was just like a great time capsule, and it took place at a variety show in the nineteen sixties. Uh, that John Davidson hosted this obscure variety show, which was as middle America as you can get. And the guests on that show were two very young comics, George Carlin and Richard Pryor. Uh, And they, they come up and they do a a little bit uh, just I think it was improv. And I'm watching these guys. There were I'm not even sure they were 30 years old yet. And they're so young looking. Oh, my goodness. You see Richard Pryor. It's like a baby face. And Monroe, they were just doing comic shtick not being political in any way they were hilarious you know they're imitating the laughter of people in an audience and these are two funny guys you realize it does begin with like guys making you laugh in a, in a classroom you know class clown it, that's where it begins you know what yeah. I mean? get you to laugh and i'm just my wife and i were watching this going these guys are geniuses they're brilliant they're so good at just being right. funny uh so from your perspective do you yeah. think one is greater than the other? Do you call it a tie? You know, just sort of think about the legacies of Richard Pryor and George Carter. I,
2: I, I think of it as, um, Ali Frazier. Yeah. Uh, I mean, cause both those guys were giants. Now I, 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 in, in terms of personally, I, I lean towards Pryor because I bought his records I, I memorized a lot of his routines Carlin I thought was every time I saw him, I loved him but I wasn't I wasn't as into him I mean my two favorite routines of his uh, would be of course the seven words you can't see on TV say and yeah. the one where he talked about um, uh, God being some invisible man up in the
1: sky. Yeah, so they showed that, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: right, watch, watch it over you. Those yeah. are two of my favorite cards. But with prior, there are so many things. I mean, back, back then, for example, um, you you couldn't go into a men's restroom and uh, be standing at a urinal and not have some, some man who you didn't know who's standing next to you, who would would say, water, cold. <laughs> <laughs> and then your reply would be, yeah, and it it's deep, too.
1: <laughs> That's the influence of Richard Pryor. But uh, I'll say this. I think that Richard Pryor was, uh, had greater range. Yeah. So Richard Pryor was, I think, a better actor. Uh, yeah. Then George Carlin. Richard Pryor had a career in movies. Yeah. Uh, and there's some great Richard Pryor roles. You know,
2: he was supposed, I don't know if you knew this or not, but he was supposed to to uh, have Clevon Little's role.
1: Yes, he was in Blazing yeah. Saddles. Yeah. He wrote it. He was part of one of their. All, I, that's, right, and, and they wanted to
2: it, but because of his drug problems, he was too um, undependable. And they decided, no, 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 We can't do that.
1: Uh, yeah. I think there was a lot more than just drugs. I think it was just like a, a, a wild black man. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. uh, I don't know about this, Mel Brooks. Uh, yeah, right. but, but you know what a weird thing is? Cleveland Little was so good in that role. I, like, Part of me, sometimes I wonder, God, how would Richard Pryor have done that? He would have been really funny, but I'm like, it's really hard to top Cleveland. You know what I mean, Monroe? I mean, I think Richard would have done it.
2: I think, <laughs> you know, it would have been different, but he, he could have done it.
1: Well, you know, it was his I mean, script. Because, he, he wrote yeah,
2: it. Yeah, because if you think of the movies he's in with Gene Wilder. Yes. He just, you know, I mean, he, he made Gene Wilder as far as I'm concerned. Funny of those movies.
1: Oh, Yeah. No, yeah. well, Gene Wilder, come nah, now. That's hating on Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder <laughs> had, had some skills, <laughs> they were good he, together. He,
2: he brought, Pryor, brought them out. <laughs> that was Rich, a nice Rich, juxtaposition. Yeah, it was. It was a they, great, were, they were a good, good team,
1: yeah. And uh, and so uh, I just think that Richard Pryor had greater range, uh, and I also think that Richard Pryor never got to this moment, uh. You know, because um, he got, uh, what was it, uh, like a Lou Gehrig's disease, I think it was, and he uh a neurological condition and he, he yeah. lost his ability to talk. So he never.
2: Well, and he, he, had, he, had, and he, he had toasted himself before then.
1: George Carlin does this bit; it's hilarious about uh, comparing his ailments to Richard Pryor's. And I, I don't want to. It was like, well, I had a heart attack. Richard Pryor had a heart attack. Richard Pryor burned himself. Haven't done that yet, you know. And uh, <laughs> uh, it's really funny. But um, but so I don't think Richard Pryor got to take his stand up to the next level in terms of politics uh, be, to become like the prophet in ways that yeah. George Carlin did because his career ended prematurely. Uh, I would love to have seen where Richard Pryor would have gone. Uh, So I'm with you. I have to say, like, I'm really obsessed right now with Carlin because I just saw this, but if I saw a two-part special on Richard Pryor, you know what I'm saying? I'd be like, oh, my God. Monroe, you got to watch this. And Richard Pryor, some of his old stuff, Monroe, you cannot repeat it these days. I mean, he's got some material from the 70s that you it's just so politically incorrect. You can't you.
2: Oh no! Yeah, now I, I can remember an old girlfriend of mine back there who was a prior, were had been a prior fan. A few years later, was listening to him and said, "I didn't r- realize he was so misogynistic." You know. <laughs> so yeah. He, 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 he he doesn't wear as, as, as well as Carl, Carl, Carl.
1: George Carlin. And I'll say that it is the other thing, the people on the right have embraced uh, George Carlin, which I find really bizarre, you know, and and essentially the part of George Carlin that uh, defied censorship has become like a rallying cry uh, for MAGA types who are upset about what they call cancel culture. And what they overlook is that, uh, first of all, everything George Carlin said on stage would be is anti-maga. It was prophetic right. about like what MAGA is doing with our country in terms of the environment, in terms of relations. I mean, denouncing like, police brutality, Monroe, George Carlin right. denouncing twenty years ahead of his time. You know, and um, yeah. uh, p- specifically police brutality against black people. But, you know, they've sort of embraced him. Oh, well, he would have been standing up to cancel culture. Who knows what George Carlin would have been like if had he lived to see Trump? Uh, I, but I just can't imagine him going along unless he lost his mind.
2: Right. Yeah, no, I can't imagine it either.
1: Uh, and uh, definitely Richard. I do not believe Richard Pryor would be like Kanye West. You know what I'm saying, or uh,
2: no, no, no. No, I tell you, the closest thing we have to prior now is uh, is David Chappelle. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's. You know, did did, did you see his 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 piece when um, right after George Floyd? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that, that piece was just absolutely brilliant, and it was very prior esque as far as I, I I I I I thought.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, and 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 prior probably would be
2: attacking the L B G T Q plus people.
1: Well, that's the other thing. Yeah. And and that's where MAGA really loves. MAGA is so weird that they like pick and choose.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. Right.
1: What they like with Chappelle. Whatever Dave Chappelle says gets in trouble with uh the trans community. MAG is like, yeah. But there's quiet about what he did the whole thing about uh George Floyd's murder.
2: Yeah. But you know, I can understand that because mm-hmm. um I I'm not an Irwin fan, but that commercial where they talk about how he said Trump was uh uh, a, a racist yeah. thing that's going, oh, this guy isn't as bad as I thought he was. No, he's- go, 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 go.
1: <laughs> I will close with politics. Richard Irwin, Monroe alluded to, the mayor of Aurora was a plucked from obscurity by Ken Griffin to be Ken Griffin's candidate for governor to Basically, cut taxes on rich people like King Griffin. That's his role, Monroe. To get there, he's got to go MAGA. So he's taken his entire career, which he's basically a centrist Democrat. That's basically what he is, right? And thrown it out the window and pandering to MAGA and pretending he's MAGA, and then trying to talk his way out of all the obvious contradictions. And one level, it's one of the most entertaining pieces of fraud, political fraud I've ever seen. Yes. And I'm, I'm watching it with like, well, it kind of curiosity. How is he going to talk his way out of this one? You know, <laughs> how is he going to get out of this? And yeah, in other words, he was a regular human being who said the obvious. Donald Trump's a racist. He is a racist, ladies and gentlemen. Right. You know, and now and, he's definitely- an idiot. <laughs> And an and, idiot. And an idiot, right. Yeah. So now he's got to figure out how to get around that. Uh, habita, habita. Uh, anyway.
2: oh, oh, before we go, Ben, I, I don't know if you knew this or not, but the Proud Boys had a, a documentary film crew with
1: them. Yeah, oh, yeah, I know all about this, yes.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, if you're talking about idiots, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just incredible. Yeah. <laughs> It's like the next time you and I get ready to knock over a bank, let's see what, if we can uh, some, have somebody logged to, to, to film it for us. Yeah.
1: Well, they, I mean, their guy was in the White House. They thought they would never get prosecuted. It's like Kyle Rittenhouse got away with killing two people. So I guess they figured, you know, no one would ever, uh, they'd be free to do whatever they want. All right, Monroe, we've run out of time. I want to thank you very much. Uh, maybe next week Frank will join us. Uh, and, uh, you know, he'll um, come out of retirement. Uh, other, we'll see. All right, Monroe?
2: Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Talk to you next week.
1: Talk to you next week, okay. indeed. Monroe Anderson. Hi, uh, every Wednesday in the Ben Druska Show. I also want to thank the man, myth, the legend, part of Joe in Illinois. Without him, this would be possible. And as everybody knows, back home at home. They call him Dr. D, and the D stands for marvelous Keep yourself raised. Take it out of petty cash. Peace and love, everybody.